Welcome to the Business and Bud Show. You know it's time. Start thinking like a winner when you get online. Streaming audio and video to get you primed for a future of success, a life you design. Business and Buds is the online show for people who want to learn about creating a thriving business and a thriving network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business and Buds Show. Welcome back, everybody. Michael Bryant, Business and Buds Show. I am producer Pat, and we are chilling. How you doing there, Mike? I'm doing good. We're just pounding them out. It's like batting practice right now with these episodes. <laughs> We're stocking them up, loading them up, cranking them out of the park, and just uh, having a wonderful time. So uh, let's let's talk about that for like one second here. We figured out from some other big podcasters in the space, one of the, the hacks to be able to achieve relevancy in any of those lists is not to just like launch a podcast and then release that first episode immediately. It is actually to build up a backlog and then have a set content release schedule. Mm. So let me give you an example, right? Like let's say that we have 10 episodes that we record before we release the first one. We would try, for instance, to release it Monday and Wednesday at the exact same times and then set the upload schedule to release automatically at those times. So that way we're not chasing after it. And then YouTube, after 90 days, starts to, with their algorithm, get a feel for how consistent you are truly going to be in your upload schedule. And then they're going to release it after that to more people. I mean, like, you got to think YouTube and uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all of these things. How many people are competing for those top spots? Every time that someone releases a, a business hashtag or whatever it may be, you have 10,000 other people that are doing the same thing. But the vast majority of podcasts never make it past 20 episodes. Ever. So, like... I'm committing to making sure that we do at least 10 times that amount before we say, hey, this doesn't work. Because you don't know until you get enough batting practice in if something is truly going to work or not. You have to, you got to put in your 10,000 hours on every fucking thing that you do, whether you want to or not. Well, and that's just what we were talking about this afternoon before we even recorded anything was during those 10,000 hours, you're going to run into some uh, into some devastating moments. Um, oh. We we saw over the weekend a uh, guy, UFC fighter. I'm a fan of Sugar Sean O'Malley um, took a leg kick, and it looked like an injury. When you go back and you watch the fight, it looked like an injury, but it was actually a leg kick that like got him on some nerve in in his knee. And so then when he went to step, he like. Bell. cranked his ankle real bad and fell and then you know took some shots on the ground they had to stop the fight but dude guys built a hell of a personal brand for himself and he already injured himself once like a year or so ago so like people were really excited to see him come back came back scored a big knockout a couple months ago and then you know this happened and so you know that's devastating for him uh, and you know, of course people are shitting on him in the comment sections of, of some of this stuff, blah, 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 blah. If you're not prepared for that during your time, during your time in the, what do you want to call it? The come up, then listen, 
it's not you're not cut out for it because that's part of the game. The well, hype train is usually not as glorious as people think it is. Or well, the we talked about this too, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, like you were just referring to for building a brand or whatever. A lot of people like to share the the wins and the and the gold and the um cars and this kind of stuff. But what we don't see enough of is you know, the dirty Toyota Corolla they drove for 15 years. Yeah. There's touring, there's touring artists that I know that drove around in cars for 10 years before they got record deals and sold millions of records. Well, I mean, fuck. Today, it's, a, it's a grimy commitment. Today, I, I got kicked pretty hard in the teeth. I mean, certainly not as hard as other people have, but like, I, I took a, a sizable hit. I'm not I'm not a billionaire by any means, uh, or like barely even a, a millionaire for that fact. And like I know as 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 easily as it has come in the past twelve years for me to to become an overnight millionaire, it it could easily just go away that quickly. Like it right. nothing 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 is here. Success is is everyday sort of thing like you have to commit to it and know that like there is no no other options so for instance today i lost i lost one hundred ninety four thousand seven hundred dollars and we'll talk about this on the next podcast with my attorney uh uh because the next podcast that we have coming out will be with uh with owen uh one of my attorneys and um he will ask him questions on on how I lost that sum of money and in business law and all of those those sorts of things. And uh, long story short is whenever you're in a high risk industry like CBD or THC products or keto, whatever it may be, where banks are not super inclined to work with you because there could be potentially higher chargeback ratios or fraud and, and things of that nature. Um like I lost 200 K that was like pure profit that I had to pay tax on last year. Mm. And I didn't have it in my pocket because the banks held it in what's called a merchant reserve. Whenever you accept credit cards online, you're in high risk. There's a merchant reserve and they held 200 K uh, a little over 200 K plus whenever we first started. But after all chargeback settled down and everything washed out, 194,700, I think it was the final total. And I learned a $194,000 lesson um, because the banks had me over a barrel because they locked me into a two-year contract. And if I tried to sue them to get that money out, then they could counter sue me for a half a million plus arbitration and everything else, I would probably end up spending nine hundred thousand to get that two hundred out. Jeez! And so I learned a valuable, valuable lesson at the expense of two hundred k. But like, I've also learned the two thousand dollar lesson. And whenever you're making eight thousand dollars a month or five thousand dollars a month, that two thousand dollar lesson hurts just as fucking bad. Like. Right. It doesn't matter. It's at the end of the day, all of this shit is just zeros added on to one another. It's not complicated. It's simple to to get from from you know five figures a month to eight figures a month. That process is extraordinarily simple. 
It is not easy, but it is simple. It is, it is finding out what works and then rinsing and repeating that process and optimizing that and then building out other pillars to support that and then figuring out that optimization on that. And it's just, that's, that's what you have to do. But like, you're going to get fucked hard and it's going to hurt. Like, think of like the movie Oz, whenever they're in the shower scene, you're going to get fucked in the ass and it's not a pleasant fucking in the ass. It is not fun. I don't know if I don't know if I saw that one, folks. That fucking, that fucking movie is wild. You're going to get raped and it's going to happen and it's okay. It is okay because it is an essential fucking lesson for you to learn. Now that is is definitely true is you got to look at the lesson in this kind of stuff. And that can be hard, especially when your emotions are running wild or, you know, I mean, and people are going to say stuff too. I'm an artist. So so I'm sensitive. Oh yeah. Literally on the phone with my attorney, I was laughing. Whenever he told me, he goes, Hey, we're not going to be able to get this back. You just lost 200 K. And I was like, (laughs) that sucks. (laughs) Okay. Like what the fuck? What do you want me to do about it? Like you are my advisor. And if you tell me, Hey, it's going to cost you more to go after this mistake than it was to make it. It is what it is. It is what it is. And that's the old, uh, what is that? Who said that? It is what it is. It is what it is. That was trending on Twitter <laughs> today for some reason. Uh, I think I know by, but we're not going to go there. So um, what I was saying was, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a sensitive artist, you know. So I've had people tell me that, you know, my the things that I want to do and being a producer and an entertainer and a, and a host and a performer and a musician, all this stuff was hogwash. Yeah. It's not, it's not a real, it's not a real monetizable skill that you're, that you're considering putting your whole life and your whole uh, existence on, it, you know, the likelihood of you succeeding is extremely slanted towards failure. Hi. I don't I don't know Hi. how to even word it. Right. So most people don't make any money doing what I do, which is doesn't matter. What well, there's a part in uh I'm a, you guys are who watch multiple episodes will hear lots of Star Wars references from Nerdy Pat. You know why? Cuz it's freaking good versus evil and good wins at the end. That's why. So Han Solo's flying through the freaking asteroid field and there's four tie fighters behind him trying to blow his brains out and he's like we're going to fly into the asteroid field. And again, this is a lesson. It's not just a stupid movie. I mean, it is to a certain degree, but there's a lot of lessons in this. I'm going to go the path I've of the most. I'm going to go the path. Okay. So obviously it's just like space people, right? So the good guys, Han Solo is Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, right? Yep. And he's flying away from the bad guys, AKA oh, oh. Darth, Darth Vader. Shit. Can I pause you for one second? Yes. You want to talk about trials and tribulations and fucking obstacles? I yeah. think I read somewhere that Harrison Ford had to spend over a hundred million a hundred mil on his divorce. You oh yeah, talk, he did. You want to talk about getting fucked? You can. Get oh yeah. Fucked. So this scene was so good. It's part of the reason why he made that money. So back to it. <laughs> back to it, because this is such good shit. You just proved the point of how good the movie is, or he never would have made that money in the first place. So they're flying away from the bad guys in the legendary starship, the Millennium Falcon, and and he could either go the easy route. 
which yep. gives them a better shot at the ship, right? Because we can see it better. Or he can take the path of the most resist resistance, which means flying into the fucking asteroid field and risking smashing the ship to smithereens to try and lose these assholes, right? So he's going and he's getting ready to go in there. And there's this little robot guy who always like has all the data R2 and like tell his counterpart is C3PO. And he's like, Mr. Solo, I think this is a terrible idea. The odds of surviving an asteroid field are five. 1042 to one and he's like never tell me the odds shut him off and like grabs the thing and he's like flies into the fucking asteroid field and then they're fucking firing at him and of course they lose they lose these assholes and they win at the end right so you know every great film like that the good well, guys always win well bro uh, another, the reason why he was able to make it through was because he took the path of most resistance. A lot of people Correct. will listen to something we say or listen to something that someone of, of our guests says yep. and think, oh, I don't know, man. I mean, that dude, that dude's crazy. I don't have that kind of balls or I don't have those kinds of resources or yep. I can't do that. He doesn't understand my struggles different. Dude. Yep. You already talked yourself out of it. So You already talked yourself out of it. The path of the most resistance is going to give you the most, most growth opportunity, the most, most adversity, and the biggest chance to become the hero of your own life, of your own story. So while those might be little fake little scientific fables, I'm looking at what is the lesson in that. Yep. If I would have listened to every asshole that told me that the odds sucked, we wouldn't, this show wouldn't exist. I wouldn't know how to run any of this equipment. I wouldn't have sang at any of these big conferences, met any of these influencers, changed countless amount of people that message me and say, hey, man, you're so fun to watch on camera, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because I never fucking quit when people told me this shit wouldn't work or that yeah. the odds were bad. That's a classic. I don't know, man. The odds are pretty bad. Yep. Well, the odds of losing are fucking through the roof. If you take zero action, it's you're going to lose 100% of the time. Yep. So there was, so under, and this is not a political statement by any means at all, but under nothing Obama, says a political statement, like making a political statement. Out <laughs> no, 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 for real. This isn't a political statement. This is a timeline sort of thing. I got but, it. Uh, under Obama, Elon Musk uh, was also looking at building rockets during that time. And uh, Obama and their NASA program and the whole government program, not Obama himself by any means, but well, the government right. he program, was just the president. Correct. I'm just giving a timeline here. Right. Uh, under that timeline, um, they had estimated that it would cost $26 billion to get a rocket to go up into space and come back down to earth. Got it. And Elon was like, and they said that it would take like 20 years or something like that to do. Elon was like, what the fuck? No, like I'm not dealing with that. Well, Elon caught a hunk of shit for, for the SpaceX idea. For sure. It, but, like, 
he didn't give a fuck. He put his money where his mouth was, knowing mm. that that was probably like a point oh 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 one percent chance of any sort of success. But he could lose however many tens of millions of dollars that he put into it, and investors' money and everything. He didn't give a fuck. He just went after it because he had the balls to do it, and. In doing so, what you do is you eliminate whenever you give entrepreneurs permission to do things and solve problems that we are innately designed to solve. Whenever you give us permission to solve those problems, we can do it for cheaper, we can do it for more efficient, and we can do it faster. And that's because we don't have to have this person get permission from this person, this person get permission from this person. We don't care what the odds are either. There's not fucking any red tape and we don't give a shit what the odds are. We're doing it because we're passionate. We believe something and it's either this, I would rather, this is going to sound very cliche probably, I don't care. I would rather be broke or dead than not working for myself. I don't, I've, I've worked for myself and not made a ton of money, but I was still happy because I had the freedom to choose what I wanted to do. Oh and, yeah. And that's, that to me is success. It like that. Right. I agree. 100% right there. If you have the freedom to choose what you want to do with your time, and that could be meaning that you are an employee from eight to five and you're happy there. That's successful. If you're happy. Nothing wrong with that. I consider that success too. But if you want, I'm speaking to an entrepreneur at this moment, but like, as long as you are learning the skills required to pay the bills and you're making money while you're doing it, even if it's break even for five years, 10 years, 15 years, you don't know where that hockey stick curve is going to come for you. Because Amazon for the longest time was a flat fucking line and they were losing money. And then they went up to like a hundred and then they lost like 90% of their value. Don't quote me on this. I'm probably not fucking right, but they lost a substantial amount of fucking value. And they they've had some highs down. and lows. And Bezos was like, I don't care. We're going to keep building infrastructure and we're going to keep building out systems and processes to make the experience better for customers because they will keep buying. And Amazon probably has one of the best LTVs of any company on earth meaning a lifetime value for the customer they probably have the best fucking ltv on earth i'd put them up against anybody yeah it's just like you can't compete them or apple maybe i don't know or google because like they serve you up all the i'm a sucker for apple i like apple's products and and i'm willing to take the heat on it you might be like oh well the the camera on the androids way ahead and this is that i i don't i mean as somebody who likes the compatibility factor of my computers and my phone syncing and i'm sure that works great with google calendar but guess what google calendar works on apple and you know what um, I like the way it looks and I like the way it feels. Correct. And the, the aesthetic and usability of Apple sorry. I think is superior to Google. Um, but the, the custom the customizability, custom I, I don't know the, the customization. Word. That thank you. But like dude, I can't even speak customization. I literally can't even fucking speak. For the most part. So like if you <laughs> if you think that like running a business or like something like that, you have to be super intelligent, you don't. 
Like, no, you don't at all. I'm basically. You know what? It's funny you bring all that up. Well, yeah. Welcome to the club. You (laughs) you see a lot of these guys that are knuckleheads that that couldn't cut it as uh, as 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 a regular employee that are cutting huge pieces of the pieces of the pie at CEO positions or at hiring Harvard grads. We talk about Bradley a lot. I love Bradley. He puts a lot of time into up and coming entrepreneurs. Yeah, he's great. And I mean, that guy will say, Hey, I dropped out of high school. Um, but you know, uh, how many Harvard grads have I hired? I didn't graduate from Harvard. But I hire Harvard grads. So listen, I mean, th- th- it's all its all how you want to look at it. What magnifying glass are you looking under success by? Because the guy with the piece of paper that says, I graduated from Harvard, might not be making as much money as a guy like Brad, who's an innovator that created something that serves and, and is a solution to, the, to so many more people. But that person that graduated from Harvard or from wherever they graduated from, may be just as happy or happier with their current life situation because they're probably making well into the six figures and they may have more freedom than Brad does because at the end of the day, all of the shit falls on your head. It doesn't well, matter. Yeah. Like yeah. every decision, like if I walk away from my business for a month, it's still going to run. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, so br- that's why Brad puts Harvard developers in positions yeah. so that his virtual training system is operational at a high level. Yeah. Correct. Right. So right. it's like, but that that person that is on staff for that, that's on staff from eight to five or nine to six or whatever fucking their hours are that, that they've negotiated, that person may be happier than Brad making six figures a year, living a little bit less of a lifestyle. Oh yeah, totally. totally. And, and that's just as successful as Brad is. I and no- and you know what? He looks like, he looks for that. So I, I think it's good you brought that up because he looks for people that are, that are, are happy growing, that are happy in their position because it adds to the, I, cause I've been on his show and I've been in his uh, office and all of that and his employee and his staff are wonderful. They're all so fun and so happy and into what they do. Uh, The people that run the studio, they've got a big green screen studio where you film all your training courses. By the way, check out Lightspeed VT today and Bradley. But um, the studio, the people are just wonderful people. I was there and I was really, really impressed with not only the professionalism, but the fun factor too. Cause you don't have to be a, a dry stickler just to be professional. You can be professional and fun. Oh, and so he has, he has succeeded in making that a part of the culture at that company, which is wonderful. And I did want to take it back before I forget. There was uh, there's a page I follow. Everyone out there should follow. It's called Secret Entourage, at Secret Entourage. And there's this guy, Pejman, who, Pejman Gadimi, who runs that page. Follow him, too. I've performed at, at events with him, too. We did an event in Santa Monica together. And uh, Secret Entourage publishes, like, success stuff. And they have a chart like by timeline of Elon. And this popped in my head when you were saying that of whatever year it was, he created PayPal. And then whatever year it was, he created Tesla. 
And I believe, don't get me to- totally dialed in on this, but he took all the money that he made from those things yep. and put it all into that SpaceX project, all of it to the point where he had to borrow yep. money from someone for rent. Correct. Because that's how much he believed that this next thing was going to be even more innovative Correct. than like the first digital payment processing system and electric cars, which were like unheard of too. I, I don't remember exactly what the figures were. I think it was like anywhere between like 150 and 200 It was a million, lot of money. Something like that. And he, he basically dumped all of it into Tesla, SpaceX, and um solar city solar or something city, yeah which which ended up going under the tesla umbrella i believe mm. um, so yeah there's some some graph out there you guys can look this up secret entourage has published it multiple times where and there's an interview that goes with this too where he was criticized by neil armstrong and these these innovative nasa people and he literally gets emotional as almost crying in the interview because they uh, pretty much told him that, you know, his shit wasn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he was just like, but to me, nothing fires up an entrepreneur. Like how I told the story. Oh, that pain will make you a fierce warrior. Bro. It is a motherfucker. It's like getting picked on, on the playground. Like, all right, I'll tell a story. I'll tell a story here that I, I probably haven't shared with anyone, uh, but like, I, so I moved from Maine uh, to Pittsburgh whenever I was 12 or 13 years old. I, I don't remember which eighth grade, whatever that is. And I came from a private school. My dad worked at the private school. So that way my brothers and I would be able to get free tuition nice. uh, or cheap tuition and, and get a better education than, than the, uh, the public schools that were around. And, um, so then he took a job out here. Uh, uh, you and- public school moms, relax. You don't need to income on our comments. <laughs> Actually fucking comment. I think public schools are good too. He never said they weren't good. Anyway, Bro, I'm just being I, funny. I graduated from a public school and my wife went to a Yeah, I went school. to, I went to both too. Anyway, go ahead. I'm just being funny. <laughs> no, no, Calm no, down, no, no, Karen. no. You're good. I fucking, I fucking hope that they do comment. Calm down, uh, Karen. We love you too, honey. We'll take the engagement. We love you. Um, <laughs> we love you, Karen. Uh, so I I moved out here and I moved from like my dad, I think whenever we moved out here was making like 40 grand a year. And he somehow figured out with taxes and with everything else, how to send me to a fucking private school for eighth grade because nice. he wasn't certain of how the or the public schools were in the area like we moved out here it was kind of abrupt and he he wanted me to go to another private school and i was the poorest kid there by a fucking long shot like not even Mm. close like poorest by fucking 100x probably and i remember I would sit at the lunch table and I would literally eat and I would have my fist like balled up, like waiting for someone to say something to me because I would get picked on so much. And some kid actually brought it up to me that I was sitting there eating with my fist balled up, waiting to fucking punch somebody in the face, like prison style. 
And it was literally just because like I got ridiculed so much for being poor and that shit sticks with you. So what I started doing, my mom and dad finally were able to like afford like an extra Costco membership and like shit like that. So I remember going into Costco and my dad made me work for him also while I was there and I made like six bucks an hour and uh, I went Nothing like Costco. the old $6 an hour gig, bro. Mm. It was the best. I swept floors, I cleaned out trash, I did all that shit like while they were building new construction homes. And um, so I went into Costco and I wanted nothing more than to have a cell phone. So that was my first investment. I, my dad said that I could have a cell phone as long as I had enough money to pay for the plan for the whole year. And I was like, fuck, okay. So I worked all summer, I saved up enough money to, to do it. I got a cell phone. And then I started buying candy and pop and all this shit. And I'd put it literally in my locker. And I'm not the only person that's done this, but like we were at a Catholic school and it's kind of taboo. They didn't want anyone to have any of this shit. And I would get called for literally not having my shirt tucked in. I would be in in-school suspension for that sort of shit. And then once they caught me selling candy and shit, they wanted to boot me out of the school. And, uh, they, they ultimately were not able to, um, but I only had, cause I only had one year there, but like that sort of shit, it sticks with you. Like I'm not Catholic at all either. So like I went to a Catholic private school in eighth grade and the, the nuns would literally yell at me to kneel down on the fucking shit, like in, in like do all of their rituals. And I'm like, no. I'm, I'm not going to do that because number one, I think I'm being disrespectful to your religion first. Mm. And number two, I, I don't mm. want to do that. Like I'm only here because my parents didn't know what the schools were. So like, please don't fucking don't make me do this. That's and, funny. Uh, but they would fucking, they would ridicule the shit out of me for, for those two things. I would get made fun of for not being Catholic at the school and for being poor as fuck. And hmm. I just, I, I never ever like that was the first time whenever like I really realized where like I didn't want to be powerless and I realized that money buys you power, and then the second time was whenever I had a kid at twenty or twenty one, um, I think I was twenty one two thousand eleven, and you know I spent seventy five eighty thousand dollars in attorney fees and I still lost the rights to see my my son and. You know, I fought for over a year and it was just like one of those things where I had to get like a job and I can tell that story after my attorney comes on and does some some research. I can tell a little bit more into this story. Um, but, you know, I had to figure out really quickly at a young age how to make a lot of fucking money. And that's something that has stuck with me my whole life is that money buys you time and it buys you power. And I don't ever want to be without either of those things. Mm. Yeah, it's, that's a beautiful thing. And I mean, I went to a Catholic high school and uh, I went to public schools, uh, you know, like second grade or third grade through eighth grade. And um, we're super diverse area, super hot chicks and stuff. And then I went to a Catholic school that was all boys for high school, CBC Christian Brothers College High School, and uh, in 
In St. Louis, yeah, they had all kinds of names for us too, like Krusty Butt College and Cigarette Butt Collectors. and That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, there were all these different names. And uh, so in St. Louis, there's a variety of different private Catholic high schools. And uh, they're, what, what would be, they're all same sex. So it's all it's all dudes or all girls. So there were all these like sister schools, you know, like Ursuline, which is like nuns. Like you yep. said, they were nuns. Yep. But for us, the brothers were in charge. Now, the brothers were some bad motherfuckers. You would not have been able to get away with that at CBC because your ass would have been in the dean of disciplines office. We had this guy. His name was the dean of men. Oh. Name was Ray Barr. He had a bald head, just like you. And um, and I'd always get in trouble with Ray Barr. See, I had a problem where he'd catch me doing something, and I don't know why. I guess I was just a stupid kid. But this lesson has taught me a lot, and it saved me as as an adult, uh, especially in times like today with the internet, like we talk about being real and stuff online. I used to try and get out of stuff like he didn't already know I did something uh, by fibbing or lying. And so uh, one time I literally was just telling someone this story this morning on a phone call. Um, So this one time I like wrote some stupid shit on like we were all in the band class together so we all would like say stupid shit to each other in class and there were all these like musical notes on like our lockers they must have like decorated it for some school play that we were doing or something so i like wrote some dumb shit on people's little musical notes right and you know he calls me into his office out of class and he's like patrick and he lifts up the thing lifts it up and it's got my handwriting on it you know uh, ho diddly Hoffman or whatever I wrote about <laughs> this guy. And like me and that guy were on the lacrosse team together and I'm so loud in the hallways. People probably already knew I came up with ho diddly Hoffman anyway. <laughs> right. Patrick, did you write this? Yes or no? I'm like, no, Mr. Barr. I didn't write that. Why would I do something like that? Mr. Barr. And he holds up another one. He holds up. Another one. I lie through my teeth. He lets me go. I'm like, right? Calls me back in at like one o'clock in the afternoon. The assistant principal is now sitting in the office and he whips whips out again, ho, ho diddly Hoffman or whatever I wrote. Did you write this? No, Mr. Barr. No, Mr. Barr, no. No. Why would I do that? Mr. Gertis is the assistant principal. I remember the guy's name now. And I'm lying through my fucking teeth. And they knew that they had cornered me. And so now I had lied in front of him. He gave me the opportunity to get out of it, by the way. But I'm so stupid, I lied. And this goes back to obstacles. Sometimes you create your own obstacles by lacking personal responsibility. So I lied once, lied again, wait for it. He calls me back into the, lets me go at one o'clock, calls me back in right before school is let out. My fucking dad is sitting in the office now. Hodidly Hoffman, Pat, did you write this? And I'm like, yeah, Mr. Barr, I wrote it. 
Why, why did you lie? You could have told me that at 10 o'clock this morning, avoided your dad a trip, avoided yourself the embarrassment of walking out of this school when the bell rings in three or four minutes because you're sitting in my office until it rings with your daddy because you lied. Oh, like, dude. Fuck, dude. I was like a senior, too. Yeah. Like, but, how, how embarrassing is that? But you want to know what the best part of that is? That per- That teacher cared enough to teach you a lesson. Yeah. To teach you a lesson that has now stuck with you for the rest of your life. Now, I, I've, I've been in that situation. I mean, I certainly have lied to get my way out of situations. I, I did it probably all the way up into my early 20s. It doesn't work. And it can work for a while. But what happens is if you do it for long enough, you end up losing track of the lies that you told. And you don't know what's real and what's fabricated. And that becomes a real fucking problem. And I, I, as a stoner now, it's so much just fucking easier for me to tell whatever my truth is than to try and remember a fucking different story or like whatever. Like I have no problem saying that like my sales last month were at like $40,000 a day and then we had an issue with affiliates. And now this month, my sales are at 10000 a day. Mm, yeah. It is what it is. I, I, I don't care because no one else that's judging me pays any of my fucking bills. Right. Not one fucking person on here contributes to my overall success. Like, I don't have, like, we're going to have an open group here where we talked about it, where we're going to charge a monthly fee. We discussed... Uh, roughly like a hundred dollars i decided that that's not enough and it's not enough for like a couple of reasons number one you're not held accountable enough to actually come on to these calls and the reality is you probably don't value a hundred dollars enough a month to actually take things seriously and if I want to qualify the people that are going to come into this group. I don't just want random, right. random fucking people. And I am not the most qualified person in the world to host this group, which is why whenever we do these sort of things, we will have like an open Q and a, and it will be filmed after the podcast is done with like other professionals that are on board. So we'll film a live podcast and then we'll keep them on for another hour, which is whenever you guys will log on and no one will have access to that except for the people that are paying for it. And it is open Q and a, if we bring on, I don't know if we bring on Gerard, Adams, whoever we bring on or, or Ryan Blair or, you know, or Brad, uh, Brad or Elena Cardone, who is Grant Cardone. She's wife, phenomenal. I love or, her. Or, um, a million other people that have less notoriety than them, but just as much success and knowledge. Oh and yeah. You have, and you have the ability to ask them questions and shortcut your time. That's, that's the type of people that I'm looking. I'm not saying that you're, you're going to automatically make a million dollars. It fucking probably won't happen. Like that's the reality of it. You're probably. I mean, if you could going- automatically make a million dollars, folks, let's let's face <laughs> the fact. Mike and I would probably be doing something else, or we'd be sitting here and doing this. I mean, I, we'd probably do this anyway. Actually, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, it's just. 
But like you can't just you can't just expect overnight things. You, you have can. to take you have to take so you brought this up to me before we got on this podcast, Michael Jordan practicing mm. for games. And that's what we're doing by backfilling these episodes. And we're doing we're figuring out how you and I work together and we're figuring out how to intertwine uh for the for the lack of better words ads and promotional products into mm. you know this podcast which i'm gonna be very honest with you i don't do this podcast just because i think that it's super fun to be on camera i do this podcast because i've spent millions of dollars and i have learned a lot of fucking hard lessons and i believe that i can give you a shortcut or at least cut some time off of where you would be mm -hmm. to achieve your goals and there, ladies and gentlemen, if you're one of these people that's like, there's no shortcuts. Listen, oh, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no getting around hard work. Correct. But there are strategies, tactics, systems, and processes yep. that can shortcut your success. It's just, it's just true. No and doubt. it's all about who are you around. And and I remember uh, speaking to Brad, I was on his show talking about, man, I put in all this hard work and you can't make it without the hard work. And he's like, that's true, but you don't always have to do it the hard way. Correct. Correct. Okay. You chose to do it the hard way and dude, much respect, but come on. I mean, get in a high level group, get around some high level people that can help you and freaking cut the time in half. I cut the time into whatever fraction you can cut off of there and, and increase your ability to produce at a high level by getting the right information. Dude, I pay for coaching still because at the end of the day, I, I, the way that I look at it at, is this. <clears throat> I try to surround myself because I live in bumfuck Pennsylvania. <laughs> like I don't have any neighbors that have the same fucking goals that I do. I don't have friends that have that are like my immediate friends that also want to be billionaires. That I happened to me growing up in St. Louis too. So I don't have that network around me. So I surround myself digitally with people that also share the same fucking goals that I do or have already been there. I actually surround myself with people that have already been where I want to go because mm. like there's an old adage and it's fucking true. If you want to be a, a millionaire, the fastest way is to hang out with billionaires. Well, guess true. what? The, the, it doesn't fucking change. It, it, if you are making $5,000 a month and you want to learn how to make $50,000 a month, you can't hang out with your same friends that only know how to make $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month. You need someone that can teach you exponential growth. Quantum leaps is the way that you get to wealth. And it's true shit, folks. And if you can't accept the fact that you need to take quantum leaps, and that may mean that, like, I got, I, last night, okay, last night, I literally paid uh, $4,000 for a coaching call for one hour, basically, with one person. Because that person has built and sold brands 
in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And so my question would be for people who might think, who might hear you that, say that and be like, oh my God, to most how much do you think that $4,000 call is worth revenue wise in the future for you? For me, I think that that's probably worth that one $4,000 call in the immediate near future, I think is probably worth $5 million. See? So if you guys out there, and this is something you've got to think about and you've got to think long and hard about, because these are, there's two ways. I Again, uh, the CEO of ClickFunnels, I'm going to praise him on the show because I love him. Dude, Russell, Russell Bronson. I love Russell. Uh, I watched I him. I would have him on here one day. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. I know a lot of his of his great friends, and they're all awesome too. So we'll we'll work him. We'll work him into the rotation. We'll work you in there, Russell. We'll see if we'll see if we can uh, get we'll see to if you. We can fit you in. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so uh, you want, we'll take right. Right. <laughs> so we talked about how expensive he is. He spoke at an event for Dana Derricks, who. It was called Dream 100 Conference. And the, the Dream 100 concept is that you map out 100 people that you want to work with from the top people to the middle people to the lower people. How much can you charge each one on, on a client level? This is business. Yep. What can I do to get these people on my side, get, get their notoriety, yep. uh, get them to be into my, my shit? How much and it's funny because Nike to do their SEO for them. Right. What do, or what do I need to give Nike yep. to get that deal in return? And I didn't right. realize until I got to this conference, I was doing a lot of these things already. In fact, it's how I got the gig. Well, I made the guy a commercial. Well, bro. And he booked me, me on the gig. Let me give you a little bit of props here. You are a natural, natural giver. Mm -hmm. it, it's in your nature to give because I, I don't know if it's in your creativity or in your music or in your soul. I, I don't know, but your natural energy, not to get fucking like all weird about it, but like your <laughs> natural energy is giving your natural energy is that you want to actually help people. And yeah. that may be you're playing music and you want to help them forget about the stresses of their day. Something as simple as that. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that alone is value that you are providing that person, whether they realize it or not. Right. Like, I wish that people would treat musicians and, and creatives in the same sense that, like, I treat waitresses at a, a restaurant. Like, mm. I believe that if you don't have 25% to tip minimum, don't go in because that waitress is probably making $3 an hour. So she's not making much because I played a lot of bar gigs and I can tell you that they, they get stiffed more times than you could possibly imagine. So if, if you can't pay 25% to sit down at a restaurant and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to catch a lot of fucking heat in the comments for this from people that are like, Oh, it's easy for you to pay 25%. Fuck you motherfucker. Like I grew up in a trailer park Right. And I came Easy. from fucking nothing. So suck my fucking dick. Suck my dick. But the, so. the, 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 the fucking, bro, the reality, the reality is, like, I don't, my dad's mom was a fucking waitress. And he taught me, like, if you can't afford this, you don't go do it. 
Well, yeah, that's part of the reason why we. I was about to say that my wife and I rarely go like, out I'm to eat. To rant, and I get no, you're good. That. My wife and I, for for the other side of the people, uh, my wife and I generally don't go out to eat because we don't have a whole lot of extra income to be spending uh, on restaurants. Sure. Um. So you know, we'll go and we'll pick something up or whatever, or we'll go buy something and throw it on the grill or whatever. But, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't go out to dinners and stuff because the, the, uh, the flow is not there for it. We got two kids at home. We live in a different state than grandma and grandpa. So number one, we don't really, we don't have anywhere to really like dump the kids off, Sure, (laughs) you know, which can be convenient for people. But, um, well, bro, I don't remember I mean, I where I was Danny. going there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So Russell said there's two ways for you to get to where you want to get. You can either give something to get people's attention, give them something, a gift, or like I did, a song, yeah, a song or whatever, or you can pay your way in. Yep. And I was like, and you know me in the back. I'm like some of you guys that didn't like it that Mike told you suck is schlong if you don't like his his tip opinion. But guess what? If if you <laughs> if a, you can't, perfectly, it's a perfectly great Irish dick. <laughs> like it's it's normal. All right. So uh, <laughs> my point is is that I get it, guys. So I don't go out to eat. I I didn't. I, I and I got up. I'll say it on record. I will never pay Russell thirty thousand dollars to be in his inner circle. I will find some other way to get on stage at Funnel Hackers Live. I have enough talent to get on that stage without paying thirty thousand dollars to be in the inner circle, like a lot of you funnel gurus do. You didn't make it on that stage because you're talented. You made it because you paid to be in the inner circle. And if Correct. that, and hey, well, you know, here. hate to break it to everybody, but the truth hurts sometimes. And there's talk, nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with him charging that fee and then giving those people benefits that other people that didn't pay for don't get. So t- this is the way the world works. And by the right. way, if you don't like that, I don't know about suck my slong, but you can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like it's the way the world works. You can buy right. anything these days. It's it's pay to play for everything. It just is, guys. What it is. So if you want to talk about money buying freedom or money buying whatever, like. I, I look at money simply as one thing. Money is a tool. Money is a tool for me to be able to have freedom to choose what I do with my time when I want to do with my time. And it right. buys me employees. It buys me a podcast producer. Thank you. I appreciate you. It buys me fucking developers. It buys me partnerships. It buys me mentorships. It buys my way to get closer to the sun. And that's what I want to do. Like Gary V has been preaching this for years. And I finally, after years of listening to it, it took me years to understand what he was actually talking about. But like giving value, like how D-Rock became a cameraman for him but he did it because he wanted to create content for free and built his way up and now i'm sure 
that dude probably makes six figures a year. There's no doubt in my mind that dude is is getting and six not figures only a year. that, but how many people has he exposed himself to in the success department? Because sure. him and Gary grew together. They created that stuff together. He sure. wouldn't, in my opinion, it's like a. You can be a great quarterback, but if you don't have anybody to throw the ball to, you're not going to be that great. Well, whenever whenever you pitched me this show, because you came to me and said, hey, let's do a podcast. And I was like, I really want to do one. And I was on the fence about it. And you were like, let's let's do it. And I was like, OK, well, we'll let's fucking let's do it. Let's try it out. Let's see how it goes. Right. And then. I started to map out in my head, you know, potential success of of it. Right. Well, yeah. Like number one, how many people, if I can get closer to the sun and buy my way closer to the sun, how many more people can I access that can provide value to me? Number one. And number two, to, to all of the people that are watching the interviews and then how can I also give them ability to have a one-on-one with the person that they're looking to get, but they can't reach? So how can I provide mm. exclusivity and value to people on a different sort of level than other people are doing it? And how am I going to stand out? And that's what I realized is like, I am basically trying to get a full-blown education in how to be a billionaire by buying my way to the top. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that was what I was going to say is, is I remember Russell saying that and sitting in the back of the room and, and kind of being a little bit like, well, this is annoying because now I, I mean, he's pretty much showing me in his speech that this person, cause I mean, this is an elite click funnels group that we were in the room with. I mean, and I'm, I'm not making any of this up. This person, this person, this person, this person, this person all speak at his events and they all have their little private group t-shirt on today. Well, no wonder they're getting on that stage and I'm not. For well, sure. guess what? Well, you can be upset about it or you can turn around and say they made the investment and you didn't. So, and again, you can go on my uh, Facebook feed and who's always rooting for me. That guy likes all these statuses that are promoting my growth or my sobriety or any, I I had my first big month here. The first person to message me was Russell. I hope I was the second, but congrats on 700 fucking days, dude. Oh yeah. That's a long time. Like I... I am the exact opposite. I tripped mushrooms today and did it pretty fucking hardcore and got high and I'm drinking right now. That's so okay. It, it's the, but like, I'm, I'm to the point now where like, I understand that like I had a problem with other, other drugs as a whole. However, but for me to like function, I enjoy optimizing my brain mm. with marijuana and mushrooms on a daily basis. I do it. I, I do mushrooms five days a week and I take the weekends off and, but like to loosen up for a podcast because I am not used to this sort of thing. Mm. A natural thing for me to do is to take a drink. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and get wasted, but like well, right. I may have, I may have two drinks while I do it. 
there's nothing wrong with that either. Like every, no. everyone, everyone as as has you can to control yourself. Exactly. Everyone has to figure out what their levels are in life. And I'm not saying that you can be like, Oh yeah, well I like to do a three grams of Coke a day. And that's like where I'm at. Like that's probably like, that's probably not a great kinda, move, but it like, sounds like a lot guys. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not, that's not like the Ooh. fucking move, but I'm saying like, if, if there are certain things like medical marijuana or mushrooms, which are being legalized and tested in certain areas, if you are trying out some of these experimental drugs to work on your own enhancement of your life, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that as long as you are doing it controlled and you are doing it like in a legal way. Yeah. I mean, just because I'm sober doesn't mean I'm like against weed or alcohol. No, I I know there's a lot of people who get that way. Dude, come on. I wouldn't have made, I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing and be as good at what I do if I didn't sit around and smoke weed and fucking practice all day, every day for years and years and years and years. The weed, again, this is me advocating for it, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. But the weed broke down that wall of pain from people saying how stupid it was and how it wasn't going to work and girlfriends that dumped me and people that left me high and dry and all of this stuff that 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 was the ability to cut that wall out and and open up the entire field of thought to to let go of those mental walls and barriers and for some days some days that was all i I had some days that was all i I had straight up That could be why I smoke weed and you just had a a fucking psychological breakthrough with me on why I consume cannabis. I always thought that it was for ADHD, but it could be it could be because whenever I smoke, I guess I'm indifferent. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. And also, I, I post on Instagram sometimes like. I, I did like a, a two week spit where like I posted stats and whatnot. It's, it's great, but like, I don't want to be known for stats. Like right. I want to be known for helping someone solve a problem in their company or, you know, you know, I giving back to a, a charity that helps kids with brain cancer or, right. you know, whatever it may be like that's what i want to be known for and I, I just want the freedom to if shit were to get really bad in my state or something like that where i could take my family and disappear that's that ideally is is my version now of success right. I, well, I and you guys if- gotta think we started off with obstacles we're talking about how to combat those obstacles sure it's different for everybody and there's a lot of ways to go about things but would you rather fly fly into the asteroid field and and risk getting obliterated into to little particles right yep. or could you pay an expert pilot to, to navigate win? yep think about this because I, again i was I've, i'm still a hard head in a lot of ways well hold on pat you you said something to me i don't know if you said it on the last podcast or if you said it to me without the podcast 
but you were scared to invest a hundred dollars a month or two hundred dollars a month into click funnels because oh yeah totally i told that to russell's face <laughs> <laughs> because bro because it's scary to bet I'm on like your hundred yeah we talked about that on here i'm like dude a hundred bucks isn't there some kind of deal you can get me for like 25 bucks or something bro come on but bro, and i remember no he was just like 25 a night on a friday night friday and saturday 25 bucks each night or 50 bucks each night on booze all right or whatever it is yeah toys for the kids cut out the toys for the kids one week yep so there's ways to make it work um and and where I'm at with it is there's going to be obstacles anyway. For so sure. you, there's levels of hard. You have to pick. This is an Andy Fursella ism. Being you broke gotta, is hard. Yeah, you got to pick your hard. Being broke is hard. So I was the broke guy in the back of the room. And my buddy, Dana Derricks, who had invested in that group. And I might give you guys trouble. Your, your inner circle group might give you guys a little bit of trouble for that. But I'm coming. I'm coming for you. And you, who knows? Maybe there'll be a day where I take this clip five years from now and laugh because now I've got the inner circle t-shirt on. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't Maybe that be your interesting? Own inner circle t-shirt. So you guys got to think about it. Like I was still in the room and I had still earned my way into the room and had earned the respect of these experts and these professionals. But what I learned was, how far from expert all of us really were because we were all learning from each other. There were things I was way better at than some of the uh, gentlemen and women that spoke on the stage that made $30 million on their product. A hundred percent. I was way better at certain shit than them. Just like they were way better at certain shit than me. So just as much as you can find, oh, well, this thing I'm not good at and this thing, you can pick yourself apart in that area. And you can also give yourself credit in the areas that you're good at and then fill in those dark spots. Well, here's the thing. Skills are infinite. Like infinite. You could be good at singing, but terrible at playing guitar. You oh could yeah. Be great at podcasting and being an MC, but terrible at reading. Right. You you could like skills are infinite and as long mm. as you narrow in on a niche, any niche, there is a subset of the population that wants to know how to get in that niche. There is a subset somewhere in the world that is interested to learn how to do what you do especially if you know how to do it online because that means that you have some level of freedom and you are not tied down to something and with four billion more people going online in the next five years like it's crazy what is going to be the content because content lives forever and you may pick up a million subscribers from chad in africa because you have like a specific niche that they're working with and you know google has now translated it into their language or whatever it may be like that that is all possible now 
And right. you can't think about the hundred views that you get on a podcast. Now. I was going to say that. Yeah. If you're always focusing on the obstacles, you're always going to get more obstacles. And that's Correct. back to the funny little Han Solo story. It's like, if he would have focused on, you know, C3PO's annoying ratios of what his odds were, he's already not focusing 100% on flying the ship. So now he's already performing at 89% of his capacity because he's listening to C-3PO's stupid mouth. Yeah. So don't allow – and I've done this in my own head too. Like I was describing being in the back of that room. I'm already starting to, oh, I don't know. You know, Rachel, Rachel Peterson, she's really, really good at that stuff. And, you know, uh, oh, it's like, dude, yeah, she is. But you're also yeah. in the same room as her because you're dope too. Yeah, absolutely. So what what narrative are you feeding yourself every day? Yep. I, oh, I, I don't know. And, and this is where it got to a point where it's like, I don't know, I need the weed or or those walls were never going to break down. It got to the point where it's like, no, you don't, dude. You've been uh, doing this stuff and this entertainment stuff for 20 years. You, you don't need it anymore. You're creating the walls with the narrative that you're telling yourself. And you need to just cut that noise out. And cut the C3PO out, man. That doesn't mean that you smoke weed to knock those walls down. So like no one, no one here is advocating for drug use. No, but I'm just saying like, you, you have to figure out, you're right. You have to figure out for me. I did this. I uh, I deleted. I had like five thousand friends on Facebook because I created a, a men's group that was actually a book club, and that's how we met. Yeah. And um, I was I was bombarded with questions that I was not qualified to answer at the time from people that were far more successful than I was. And I didn't know how to answer them. So I basically just shut down the group. Mm. And I I realized that I wasn't going to start anything up again, like this podcast or anything else, until I had really fucking brought myself through the trenches and knew that I could come out on the other side again. Right. And it was just it was astonishing to me to listen to like the men's stories in there where their voices in their head were their biggest C3PO and everybody is their own worst enemy at the end of the day. Totally true. it's, It's like if you're willing to go to a casino and bet on the odds there, why are you not willing to bet on yourself in your life? It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like You got one chance at this, folks. So if you're watching some of this stuff, and we get on rants and stuff, which oh, is great. I love it. Uh, bro, I'm a star. But I just go off. I've, I've smoked parts of my brain completely <laughs> numb. I don't think they're coming back. But uh, <laughs> so uh, my point is, is that you guys have got to figure out what works for you. Yeah. There's some kind of golden ticket inside of every single person on this planet. Um, I don't know if you're one of those spiritual people or not, but you were created a certain way and given certain gifts. 
whether whether those came from heaven or whatever is 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 irrelevant in a certain way depending on what you believe again but you were created in a certain way to deliver something to this planet i i don't know what that is for you for me at a young age started playing the uh uh the trumpet in grade school uh you could either do computer class in grade school so third grade you could either do computer class or you could do music class and i remember uh Michelle Abrams was like, who you used to cheat off of? She, yeah, her and Rebecca Rothbaum. So Michelle Abrams is like, I'm going to play the trumpet. I'm going to do music class. And I'm like, well, damn it, I'm going to play the trumpet too. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever Michelle Abrams was doing, I you was doing a part it. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Michelle Abrams. Always have. <laughs> Still a Facebook friend of mine. Great gal. Moral of the story was, it was like, <laughs> I, had a, I had a choice. I could either, and, and this is true too. I could either sit in a room with like three or four dudes and like play HyperCard Studio was like the cool thing back then on the Mac 2GS. HyperCard Studio, or I, I could literally pretty much the whole class joined the musical thing, especially the girls. And I'm like, dude, trumpet can't be that hard. It's three buttons. Well, it turns out that that's actually not true. The trumpet is actually the lead part for most motion picture theme songs that were coming out, especially at that time, like Jurassic Park, <laughs> Star Wars, especially Star Wars, Star Wars again. The, the bro, trumpet part bro, so on Star Wars, you, the main part. So inadvertently, you jumped just straight into the fucking deep end. Yeah, so, and since I was in third grade, I started learning all the movie theme songs that I was, like, this huge fan of as a kid, and I could play all that perfectly on the trumpet, but Michelle Abrams would kick my ass when it was, like, Exercise 34. Like, Michelle Abrams could always play Exercise 34 better than me because she practiced the book. Yeah. She practiced what the teacher assigned us, which is what good students do. Good, yep. smart, good-looking students like Michelle. <laughs> but Pat, asshole Pat, who thought he knew it all, I'm learning Superman with no sheet <laughs> with no sheet music, right? I'm listening to my dad's record player, the Superman theme song, and then learning it by ear and writing down what the notes were. Like, I didn't even know how to write music, so I'd write, like, second valve, first valve, uh, second and third valve. Like I literally wrote the whole thing down and could perform movie theme songs along to my dad's record player. That's fucking insane. It was so insane. Audible, so you're an audible learner. Yeah. Like, so like when I write songs, you ever see me playing songs on my page? I have no fucking idea what I'm playing. It just sounds <laughs> right. <laughs> That makes sense. So, so uh, you have become inherently a, by default, a great musician because of that. Right. I never focused on the science. I focused on the sound. Yeah. I never focused on the, the written aspect of how it's supposed to look. Yeah. I, know, I, I learned by how does it feel? Yeah. How is it interpreted? Where, where is he, where is he moving? And how can I interpret those movements into my playing style? Right. That's, that's um, because I think that 
I think that a lot of people as, and as we grew up together again, you'd notice that she was way more by the book than me, but long-term, I don't know if Michelle Abrams ever played the trumpet out after eighth grade. I turned music and production into a career. Correct. So the person that, that felt it, more than the person who performed the exercise the cleanest became the expert yep so again i mean and that's not a diss i mean she was always better at those exercises than i was because i couldn't feel that so here's I never felt the book. I could feel Jurassic Park's theme song. Like I could feel that, but I couldn't feel exercise 23. That's, that's really. Right. Exercise 23. So. Fucking hated exercise 23. I look at I look at things kind of in the sense of the older that I get, the more that I realize. And I watched my son play, and this is kind of what made me think of it. My son plays with train tracks all the time. Fucking makes various paths and shit all over our house, everywhere. He puts bridges and like things underneath so that way it has angles and he does it because he watches youtube videos and he watches other people making it and his brain is just firing on yeah yeah he can feel it he can sense what needs to be designed rather than i'm just going to look at the instruction manual and i'm going to build it based on the instruction manual i have watched this boy make a fucking altered bank going on a railway with a cheese it box because he was like he don't care he's just like this should work and he'll fucking lift the whole train track up and put it under and maybe this is a life lesson learned by mushrooms but like i was watching him (laughs) i always enjoyed him too (laughs) so i'm watching him and i i'm I'm just, I'm watching his mannerisms and the way that he moves and like the way that he looks at things and just how intent every decision that he makes is to make the perfect track for what he is envisioning in his head. And what he's envisioning in his head is limitless, absolutely limitless. Right. And it is beautiful to watch. And I just thought, and I'm like, dude, the older that I get, the more things that I do, the more things that I add to my plate, this podcast, adding our consulting company, doing my own CBD brands, trying to exit that brand, building SEO for other brands, like all of these things that I am doing on a daily basis and my teams are doing on a daily basis, life is just a puzzle. That's all that life is. And the better that you get at learning where the puzzle pieces go and the faster that you can build that complete piece and come closer to that vision that you're looking for, the better that you are. So 
putting the wrong pieces in the wrong place and doing it faster and over again to learn where they go, the better you are because the faster you achieve that goal. Mm. And just taking those risks to do it. So that that to me is like the obstacles that like tie everything back together in this entire thing. Is I that love it. All of that in mm. one singular thing, like just watching him be able to figure out how things are maneuvered and like if he can push a train around it and they can like fly without right. it like, stopping and all of these things. He's calculating all these well, things. Right, and you're right. not trying to micromanage. And that kind of no. goes back to the funny little I uh, just want to watch him do it. Right, the trumpet story. So before I would so when he when Mr. Varley was the name of our uh was the name of our teacher in, in grade school band class, music class is what it was really called. But so we'd uh he'd go down the line. Right. And everyone had to play the exercise, the assigned exercises were the tests. You had to play it in front of everybody. And I, it would always come down to me and I'd be like, yeah, so I never practiced the uh, exercise at all. But I totally learned, uh, you, know, um, you know, Superman or whatever. Yeah. And he'd be like, all right, well, play Superman first and then play the exercise. I would fucking shred Superman in everybody's fucking face. Everybody would be like, oh, yeah, Pat, that's awesome. And then eat shit <laughs> on exercise 28. And so he ranked us like first chair would be the person that played it the best. Yep. So Michelle Abrams was always first chair. I yep. only liked the best, right? <laughs> she was always first chair i don't think she ever wasn't and i'd always be like you know like fourth or fifth out of 10 or 11 i was always in the middle i was by far the most creative player but i didn't play the book exercise better than those other people did yep those okay. people went on to get degrees from like Washu and Yale and fucking ass mouth university, whatever the hell they went to, you know, whatever the fancy college is. And I went and, and ate shit at Mizzou, went to a couple community college semesters and then moved to Arizona and pretty much went to a, uh, a technical Institute for recording and stuff. And I'm still doing recording and stuff now because Times have changed since back then. Again, I'm not dissing, dude. Some of the smartest people I know are those are, are those girls, and we're all still friends. But yep. um, you know, like my sister works at Washu. She's a freaking doctor. Well, well, the and difference is the difference is music wasn't there. She was able. No, it wasn't. And my and and the book tests in that kind of a uh, creative space aren't what gets you successful and notoriety anyway. Mm -hmm. So in, in the Washu medical department, nailing the book, you, well, I mean, you better know fucking biology and anatomy to be a doctor, right? Yep. That's why I'm not a doctor. For sure. You know what I mean? Bro, I can barely read. So I think it's important, again, back to the beginning here, you're going to have strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. 
And I would encourage people to not try so hard to fix the weaknesses in certain areas. I mean, if your health, you should try and be as healthy as possible. Obviously you should try and be educate yourself, be as smart as you can possibly be. But at the same time, if you spend your whole life trying to fix your weaknesses and not doubling down on your strengths and, and what you're good at, how great are you? You're, it's going to even out. I could have sat around and learned those book decks, book exercises. And I bet you I could have kicked her ass one or two or three times. But instead I was like, dude, what is being great at the book going to do for me in the future? If I really want to like actually create music, I need to challenge myself way more than playing this exercise correctly. Yep. Because I'm going to tell you something, playing Superman with no book in front of you by memory, knowing all the notes was way harder than Big Rock Candy Mountain exercise 17. No doubt. It was harder. No it was doubt. more challenging. It took more time to nail well, that. I think that that's also more a problem, and we won't get into this, but I think that's more of a problem with like the public school or private school education at all because like yeah the teacher sees like the, that you can play these songs by memory or you can play them by learning it audibly like they should be embracing you to learn well and more. that's why i i made sure i gave uh, our teacher credit for allowing me to showcase that ability instead of saying that you're supposed to just learn the book yep he never fucking did that to me, ever. Well, that's good. He's always like, oh, man, that's all. So, Pat, uh, you know, it's t it's your turn, exercise 17. And I'd be like, yeah, so, you know, I learned Rocky Balboa the other day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, how about I give a little Rocky Balboa, and then we, uh, we, we go into exercise 17. We'll see how I do. But this, yeah. the high note on Rocky which is a high C and I knew all this stuff. I bought a new mouthpiece. It's called the seven, whatever it was so that I could hit that frequency because my other cheap little mouthpiece, I wasn't able to hit that note with that mouthpiece. So I switched mouthpieces. And I remember this conversation with him. I remember weird shit. And I remember him being like, yeah, wow. You know, that is a, that's a tough note to hit. Let's, let's hear you play it. Let's see if you can swing it. So like he was challenging me to play it well and giving me an audience to, to showcase that ability for. And I mean, anybody who's a real jazz student there in the uh, audience knows playing Maynard Ferguson's Rocky version is hard as fuck. <laughs> and that was the version I played for him. It wasn't just the, uh, the, the like soundtrack version. We're talking the jazz with with Buddy Rich on the drums, with the swing notes on the high line. Do -do 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 I mean, it was like nailing this stuff. And I go to play Jimmy's Crab Deluxe Exercise 40, and I'm eating shit. I never even played it. And I still was like four, fourth or fifth. <laughs> hey. But you I'm going to tell you guys something, and this is something before we send you off to think about, like what we were talking about with practice. Cristiano Ronaldo 
didn't get as good as he is in as good as shape as he is and burning defenses by just looking at a book of moves and basing his skills and talents off that book. Correct. He went out on the field and he experimented and played different moves with the defender and created moves and found all these different ways that weren't traditional to win and to be good at what he does. I, I bet you, I bet you he probably brought that soccer ball with him everywhere he went. Everywhere. And everywhere. so I encourage you guys out there, if you got dreams and people are telling you this or they're telling you that, or you got to go by the book, you got to do it this way. I would first Find a coach. Her, any, hold on. And, and, and that's, and I'm going there with this. I would first examine who's even giving you that advice. Yep. And, and so in the musical, in the musical world, I mean, unless your dad is Eddie Van Halen, I would strongly suggest that your guitar dreams of being a guitar hero should not be, uh, you know, brought down by anybody who's not fucking Steve Vai or Eddie Van Halen. Yep. Seriously, you got to think who's giving me this advice. It's like you said about the college professor. Grant Cardone says this all the time. Uncle G loved this one from him. You're taking investment advice or business and economics from a professor that makes $70,000 a year but you want your business to be making millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. You're paying the wrong guy. You're getting yep. advice from the wrong guy. hundred percent. So who, who's the right guy? It's the who can I pay it. the Russell? This is why you shouldn't talk shit about the guys that are the best in their industry, because those people could be the person that catapults you and gives you an audience of success. The Russells or the Cardones or the, um, you know, the Andy Fursellas or the Ed Milets, these people that I've now, I'm naming people that I've actually performed on events with. If I would have sat around and listened to the asshole that runs the bar in St. Louis that told me I was a loser when I was dating his daughter, I never would have shared the stage with these incredible business people and learned how to take my skill and turn it into a better business. Why? Because I would have taken advice from the dollar burger guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fuck that guy. There's nothing wrong with dollar burgers, by the way, but why would I let the guy that sells dollar burgers for a living in the middle of butt fuck Missouri, tell me that my talents aren't worth what I know that they're worth. And obviously they're worth something or I wouldn't have been on all those stages with people. I would have never met Michael Jordan's personal trainer. So obviously yeah. I'm pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. So I encourage you guys you to think about who are you allowing in your head? Like we talk about these mental barriers. Who are you allowing inside of your mental hard drive? Because all those files that are clogging up that space and taking up memory. Some of y'all need to delete some shit. A hundred percent. 
So, because sometimes Start we create our own obstacles. We'll we'll end on this, but the first thing you can do start by deleting any of your Facebook and Instagram friends that are constantly commenting negative shit or have nothing con- constructive to say at all. Just get up, get them all. them all, everyone. Delete them later. Block them. Whatever. Bye. You don't even need to be completely honest. And this is savage. This is not my line. This is Chris Rude's line. Maybe we'll have Chris on as well. Um, you don't even need friends. You need alliances. Yep. You need to forge alliances and and communities, groups of people that you're rolling with that are doing big shit. Yep. Okay. Betsy, okay, that wouldn't, you know, suck your dick in college that's on Instagram talking about how hard her life is, right? Because she's still making the same shitty decisions, needs to be removed. Yeah, well, she, probably, she probably never gave that good of blowjobs anyway. Tell it. You're not missing out on much. <laughs> so, right, giving guys. it to you raw, and we're giving it to you strong. This is Business and Buds with Mike Bryant and producer Pat. We love you. Don't let the obstacles stop you. We believe in you. We've made a lot of our dreams come true. But look at what we're doing. We're trying to find the next win. Always be looking for the next win. Mike, as always, my friend, great chatting with you. See you next time.